Hey everybody, welcome to Burnout Box, Season 2, Episode 37. I'm Justin. And I'm Rebecca. Today we are talking about heat soak, how to prevent it, why it happens. What it is. Yeah. I'm, everybody likes to talk about heat soak. Yeah, I, I feel like it is a, a buzzword type thing. Yeah. Like I think, and I think there's some um, merit to be merit to it being a buzzword type thing because it has real implications. It, you know, people say, "Oh, um, I, yeah, my dino nose are kind of low because it's really heat soaked when I dynoed it," or "I hot lapped the car." Yeah. Well, you know, at VMP, we like to be a little more analytical than that. So, first of all, we're going to determine if there's a problem. And then if there is, we're going to solve it. <laughs> so, definitely, if you have any questions on heat soak or um, things related to heat soak, like products. Oh, there's a baby crying. Um, Chime in and let us know, um, and we will get to your questions as we move along through the segment. So, uh, we'll get into this in a minute. Yeah, sure. You want Maybe we should start at the beginning, the NA cars. Yeah. Not everything has a supercharger. No. I remember when your car was naturally aspirated. My car was naturally aspirated. You raced the heck out of it. I did. It's fun. And, um, it wasn't that much fun. <laughs> I mean, there was, I enjoyed trying to go as fast as the car could go at that point. Um, I think that we were both realistic about limitations because, yeah, it's naturally aspirated, but a tune and some tires gets you down the track. And, you know, no front sway bar. Like, I've driven that car, like, a couple times on the street. No front sway bar, getting getting on it on, like, an on-ramp or something. I mean, it was a lot of fun. It was, you know, wasn't, like, uncontrollable fun, but the front end lifted up and it went. So, uh, but we still had to work to control heat soak and temperatures to get maximum performance out of the car. Absolutely. And uh, a big part of that was just how we raced it and how we handled it. Yeah, you have to be cognizant of what you're doing. Um, yeah, for those of you that are not familiar with the term hot lapping the car, it just means running down the track and then coming right back and running down the track again. And yeah, things get hot. And then you may, you will see a decrease in performance. You know, the way that I look at it is you want your oil hot because mm-hmm. it's got to lubricate the engine. Like, do you want your engine super hot? No. No. Nope. Um, and that's... You know, you've got you've got to, at least we've got plastic intake manifolds now for the naturally aspirated cars, so they don't transfer heat as readily as aluminum. Um, but your cylinder heads and everything else are still aluminum, so if that air is going in and getting heated on the way to the combustion chamber, it is less dense, mm. contains less oxygen, and the molecules are further apart, and there are fewer of them. Will make less power. So we used a lot of strategies like having the hood up between runs giving the car a certain amount of time between runs. And, you know, like Rebecca said, we were trying to get the best possible time out of the car. So we were using those strategies pretty aggressively sometimes. Yeah, I definitely. And um, I think that we, you know, had to be more cognizant of how aggressive we were with that because we 
we didn't have as much to work with, I guess, is, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we couldn't just put more boost in it. <laughs> oh, gosh, those were the good old days. Those were, that was even before E85 was very prevalent in Central Florida. I think there was one station out by the Turnpike back then in 2010, 2011. Yes. Yeah, out by the Turnpike. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, so we were on pump gas. It, so... You know, we'll just let's just touch on the nationally aspirated stuff, and then we'll go into the blower stuff because we're getting a lot of blower questions. Yeah. And since I didn't mention it already, make sure you like, subscribe, and share. We do this every week. We pick different topics. Feel free to suggest topics. Yeah, we want to hear what you, we want to hear about what you guys want to hear about. So a lot of the stuff that the nationally aspirated people do are a cooler thermostat, mm-hmm. and tuning actually makes your car run cooler. Because the factory fan does not come on to between 200 and 225 degrees. And I like to keep them around 200, 210 with a stock thermostat, and around 180, 190 with a cooler thermostat. You're, you're never going to run at the thermostat temp because you have to have some hysteresis in the fan on off speeds. Otherwise, the fan just runs continuously. Um, and then something that you have done on one of your cars... As you have a vented hood. Yeah, um, we've got a question about that. NA State 8780XX um, asked about this, and this applies for supercharged applications, NA applications, um, and he's asking specifically about road racing. And um, I run a tire racing hood. He's asking about venting the hood. Um, he says that he hasn't overheated yet, but close. And he's got a GT350 that's NA, but it's a problem with supercharged cars, too. Um, I run the Tiger Racing Hood. Um, I have for years and years. Um, not in a road race application, obviously, in a drag race application, but uh, Jonathan Blevins um, has the same hood on his, uh, <laughs> yeah. his uh, road race car. And um, I like it. The Tiger Racing Hood was originally designed for road racing yep. because that's another heat soak situation. You're running, you know, one to three mile courses for 15, 20 minutes at a time. In an actual racing situation, you're running one to two hours at a time or even more if it's an endurance race. So you don't have a cool off time. Um, You have to, you get to a certain temperature and then you just sit there. So the hood helps you get more airflow through the engine bay and increases your cooling system's capacity by increasing the airflow. Carter, just go ahead and stay out. Stay outside with her, buddy. Take her for a walk. Yeah, she'll love a walk. As you can see, we're babyless today because our older son has indigo. So, let's see. We're starting to get into, I think we've got... NA stuff pretty much covered? Yeah, I think so. And obviously, if you guys have more questions about NA stuff, we'll come back to it. Um, a lot of this stuff kind of is broadly applicable, but some of the stuff's very specific to whether you're NA or um, supercharged. Uh, um, so As I said before, unnaturally aspirated. Unnaturally. <laughs> let's touch on this one real quick. Cause yeah, that, that's one of those that can be kind of... I actually did some testing way, way back on heat shield products, um, intake manifold heat shield on the dyno. And I did find that I think it was a little bit beneficial, you know, for 80 or 90 bucks and, you know, an hour or two to pull the intake manifold off, apply this and put it back on. Certainly can't hurt. 
And that does go into another thing. We've done a lot of intake manifold testing on coyotes at VMP. And if I did three pulls in a row, the first pull got everything warmed up. Fluids, rear end, transmission, engine, and of course warmed up the coolant too. The second pull always got the best horsepower number, and the third pull I would always see decreasing horsepower numbers. Um, so that, that lends to being warm, but not too warm. So going into supercharger stuff, mm -hmm. this is a positive displacement supercharger lower intake manifold. Well, and you want to show them the... Yeah, if I can lift it up like that maybe. It actually has an air-to-water heat exchanger in the valley of the engine, and that cools off the air from the supercharger. Because when you compress the air with the supercharger, whether it's a positive displacement supercharger, a turbo, a centrifugal supercharger, it just gets hot. Yeah, any gas that you're compressing is going to get hot or it boils off. So we pull the heat back out of it with an intercooler system, and that is where things start to get interesting because you can have an intercooler system, but you can have different upgrades, different components, different water flow rates that affect how well it works. And at higher boost levels, you need more. Yeah. So we've got some specific questions. Let's see if we can read that so Pavlo50 says, I'm getting about 120 to 130 IAT on my 17 GT with a VMP Gen 3 and triple pass heat exchanger with dual fans when just cruising around in 80 degree um, weather. Is that too high or normal? So that's a, that's a good question. It's one we get quite a bit. Mm -hmm. It's in the normal range. Yeah, I would not be concerned with those numbers. Um. When the, the big thing is, when you're cruising, the supercharger system is actually recirculating air through the bypass valve. That's what this is back here. So when you're just constantly circulating air, temps aren't real important. And um, you're also picking up heat from the surrounding aluminum casting, mm -hmm. the engine itself because the engine's operating at 200 plus degrees so for having all this stuff bolted directly to your engine and only operating at 120 to 130 is pretty impressive yeah it is it really is and you know i think we ran into that same kind of like oh that seems like a really high number when we started um really looking at trans temps because being used to looking at engine temps and being comfortable with like a 200 degree number it all of a sudden gets a little bit like Oh, 400 degrees is really hot. Well, no, not for a trans. You have to think about it. It's all relative. Okay, I'm going to grab the baby. Continue. Go ahead and ask the next question. So, <clears throat> Mad Max says, with your three-way two-fan rad, I have no heat issues. So let me get into a little bit more what Mad Max is talking about for everybody else. VMP offers a... Triple pass, which means the water goes through it three times. Dual fan heat exchanger, which means it has two fans to pull air through the heat exchanger, even when you're stopped or you're driving at low speeds. My favorite analogy is you're in the drive-through with your GT500 or supercharged Coyote. The line's kind of long. It's a hot summer day, and you pull out, and you just have no power to get back into traffic. And that is because all that water has just sat there and got hot. 
and the, the dual fan design keeps that water much cooler all the time. Um, it's great for in the staging lanes between runs, cooling the car off. Absolutely. That's how I use it. I have um, my fans on while I am waiting for runs after I've, after I've run the car the first time. Um, and it really um, is important to, to my racing program. So, and then you say, well, three pass. Well, here's the thing with the heat exchanger sister system and the intercooler system. You know, normal air is only, I don't know, say 60 to 90 degrees unless it's a really cold day. We want to get that air, that water as cool as possible so we can have those desirable 100, 120 degree air temps going into the engine. So having multiple passes just allows us to cool the water down more with each pass. And it's, it's kind of gotten out of control with three passes, but it works. So that's uh, leave well enough alone. <laughs> So we've got a message from Mario here. Okay. His IETs get 40 degrees over ambient in about seven seconds of watt without ice. With ice, it stays at 100 to 104 through the quarter run. So, okay. So Mario's got a supercharged uh, 11 to 14 GT with the Gen 3R supercharger, runs high eights. So he's running a lot of boosts. Yeah. Probably over 20 pounds. And um, that's, that's the benefit. If your air temps are running you know, close to 150 at the end of the track, you can bring them down to 100 degrees. You can run a lot more timing and make a lot more power. Um, there's been some times where we had a failing intercooler pump in Rebecca's car. Yes. And we didn't, um, it would circulate and then it would randomly fail at various points, so we'd have high air temps. We didn't know why. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, I've, I know I've talked about this in the past, but I'm very methodical in how I check for um, air temps before I, before, I, before I go into the burnout box, and then bef- after I do my burnout, and then um, after, I'm trying to think exactly what I do. After I do my burnout, then I... Uh, do my burnout through the line. I look again before I back up while you're signaling me to back up. And at the same time, I'm looking to make sure the light's on that my intercooler is running. And then um, I check again. And then once the pass is going well and I'm not shifting, I, I take another look. And at one point, I did catch like a, a pretty significant failure um, before it became uh, destructive. Yeah. <laughs> so... And um, I think I think Mario's comment and my experience kind of speaks to, you know, the importance of having a cooling system that works for what you're doing. Yeah. So we got another question here. Um, John Bailey, tell us about the killer triller for a streetcar. Will it work? And what are the trade-offs? So the Killer Chiller is a system that uses the AC compressor and its cooling capacity to cool the water for the supercharger system. I have very um, like black and white opinions about the Killer Chiller, and I don't want to, you know, be, uh, you know, a, I don't want to say no. I, I, it's never a good choice. But I've always, uh, in heavy Mustangs, I've always, at least if I'm not racing them competitively, have taken them to test and tunes. And that's where I would want something that is working to help um, alleviate heat soak to work is at the track more than anything. 
And a killer chiller, in my opinion, for the way that I do things, wouldn't work for me because it uses the AC compressor. It's not, it's not something that... You have to leave the car on, you know, to, to run it and to cool the water down. And, you know, he mentioned a street car, but, you know, if you Like ever, I said, I've always... Yeah. I, even just having Mustangs as a street car, I've always wanted to be at least able to test and tune them. I mean, where else would I meet husbands? <laughs> <laughs> One husband. Singular, not plural. True. So, yeah, it just, it just doesn't seem like real appropriate for the type of stuff that we do. We've never been crazy about them. It's a really neat idea, but... Just, and I can see how, like, okay, maybe if you never, ever plan to go to the track and that's not what you're wanting to use it for, okay, maybe. I'm not going to say don't ever do it, but I think there might be better options. So, the... We'll go do a couple questions. Brendan Austin has an 11 Shelby GT500. He just recently added a VMP triple pass. He's getting great improvements so far with his IAT2 temps. He has a 3.6 Kenny Bell, a 10-gallon ice tank. What's the best routing for hoses? I think I know what he's after with that question. Okay. So the way that the intercooler reservoir... Help with reading between the lines here because I'm not... <laughs> yeah. The way the intercooler reservoir is mounted from the factory, it is after the intercooler under the blower. So if you mount, if you mount your ice tank there in that part of the, the circuit, any water is going to go through the front low temp heat exchanger and actually get warmed up before it goes into the engine. Um, we had one of our underhood ice tanks in Rebecca's car, and we actually had everything plumbed that way. And I honestly didn't see a big difference when I plumbed it the correct way. But in the interest of doing everything right, yeah, I would try to plumb it that way. So your ice goes through first, and then your heat exchanger is at the outlet of your lower intake. And these lower intakes, there's uh, something really important to think about. So the air blows down, it comes up, it goes into the runners. The coolest water goes into the bottom, and the hot water comes out the top. And the idea here is the coolest water is the last pass that the air goes through, and then the hottest air goes through the water that's already been warmed up. So they're, they're a dual-pass design, and feeding it from the bottom is very important. So, Brendan, I hope that answers your questions about routing and uh, things of that nature with your GT500. Travis Schott has a question. What would be a recommended thermostat for an NA15 GT since it would get the various temps down? So that's a, that's a good question, Travis. And the 170 degree thermostat that we sell would be good for NA or blown. Yeah. Use that on, on your car of choice. And you are a tuning customer, so purchase that thermostat from us and then just request a tune update, and we'll lower your engine fan turn-on temps to take full advantage of that thermostat. Otherwise, if that's not done, the car will only run cooler when you're going like at highway speeds, 50, 60 miles an hour. So one of the people that asked a question earlier, Pavlo50, says, can I just turn on the accessory mode to have the fans and intercooler pump running while on the staging lanes and not have to worry about it killing my battery? So that 
I see he's got a 5-0 based on his name, but that question is, um, I'm going to give you more detail because I don't, compl- I get what you're trying to ask with the question, but I'm going to put it in context a little bit more. Um, the five liters with the VMP or the Roush positive displacement superchargers, they turn on the intercooler pump, and if you have our dual fan heat exchanger, those turn on too whenever the key is on. Um, there's no real difference between accessory and um, and and full on um, engine on or no key on engine off. So yeah, it's pretty much not a big difference. If you do run it too long, it will kill a battery. Yep, and that sucks. <laughs> Especially if you're the next one up to run. Yeah. You don't realize it because somebody's oiled down the track. Yeah, it sucks. So that's definitely something that we manage, you know, very carefully when we're racing. Yeah. Um, something that you need to be cognizant of. On the GT500, the intercooler pump circuit is computer controlled. There's actually some delays and some temp thresholds if it's a totally stock GT500. So you would want to set up a switch or use a jumper in place of the relay to be able to run it with the uh, in the staging lanes. So it looks like we're um, we're getting through here, and let's grab one more question, and then let's just kind of go through our through our routine. Uh, Carlos eighty five, is the Roush supercharger having these issues on the eighteen nineteen Mustang? If so, what can be done to correct this issue? So that's a very, very good question. It is. It's a, a, probably a pretty good observation. Yeah. And for 18 and 19, the Roush supercharger is the same across Mustang and F-150. Um, both of those supercharger kits have incredibly high air temperatures. And uh, the, we have a lot of those people with, those, with that setup going to our dual fan triple pass heat exchanger and it helps control them a little bit. Um, I think it makes them bearable right? based on some of the stuff we've been doing and some of the other tuners that we work with, like Ken at Oz Tuning. So that's a good uh, stopgap measure. The real problem is the core and the lower intake. It, um, it's not really sized properly, so it just doesn't perform. Um, our solution to that is going to be our whole new 1819 kit, which is going to be a much different design than this. It's going to have multiple intercoolers in the lid of the supercharger. It's going to be a blow-up design, and that's going to solve the overheating issues on 1819. So um, we got some other questions. Ice tanks. So we've kind of touched on ice tanks a little bit. Um, there's trunk-mounted ice tanks, and there's also under-hood ice tanks. At VMP, we sell some easy-to-bolt-in under-hood ice tanks. Yeah, and they're very nice. They're Linexed. Um, it keeps the condensation from dripping off of them um, and becoming an issue at the track. Um, and then it, the other part of this is people want to know if ice tanks will help in traffic or only at the track. And... Um, the ice is only as good as long as it's frozen, <laughs> so it's really a, a track yeah. solution. And it's a situation where you want to put in a bag of ice right before you make a run. Ideally, you want to switch on your intercooler pump. Rebecca talked a little about her racing procedure, and you want to tell them how you do it with ice? Um, so I load the car up with ice. 
Um, we've got insulation uh, around my ta uh, my trunk mounted. Yeah, tank. Sears is in the trunk. Yeah. So mine's a little different than what we sell, um, just because I needed a lot more capacity than what most people need. Um, and the uh, it's on a switch, so I wait until I am just about to do my burnout to turn on my intercooler pump um, and thus start circulating the water and subsequently melting ice. <laughs> so, and that's what I do, and I make sure that it's on multiple times until I'm down track. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, you load it up with ice, you pull up the stage, mm -hmm. pull through the burnout box, you, you pull through the burnout box because you're on drag through, tires yeah, front and rear. I pull through the burnout box and then I do my, I turn it on, then I turn, do my, burn, okay. yep, turn it on, then I do my burnout, then I look again to make sure that it's on, and I look at my X4, make sure that the, the temps are coming down like I would expect them to. And, and turning it on right before your burnout gives the chance the water to get circulated and get cold water up front so you're ready when you make the yeah. extra pass. Like, uh, there's this like perfect time to do it. And if for whatever reason somebody at the top it, like, I was like, ah, I was a split second too fast. Soon I could have could have used that ice for a little bit longer. And it's most, always very, uh, it's, it's always nice when you get it exactly right. And most of the time when you come back, your water, your ice is melted, but your water is still cool. Yeah, I can, um, uh, like, it would be too cold to take a bath in. <laughs> <laughs> too cold for me to swim in. I'm not a fan of cold pools. So one thing I want to talk about real quick is with supercharged applications, nitrous or water methanol injection. Those both do lower temperatures. Um, they are tools to lower temperatures in appropriate circumstances. The one thing I want to caution about water meth, the water component doesn't burn. The methanol component makes you a lot richer. So it has its place. I don't feel like it's all it's cracked up to be. Nitrous just adds a buttload of horsepower, <laughs> depending on the shot size. And it cools everything off. So, you know, what could be better? And... Uh, with that, anything else you want to cover? I think that's a pretty much it. Um, just... Yeah, there's just one more question I'm just going to um, touch on real quick. Jake Birch, at what IET does the Coyote engine start to pull timing? So that's a really good question. It's tune dependent. I can give you some general guidelines. As low as 100 to 125, you can start to pull some timing on pump gas. By 150, we start to pull a lot of timing because we potentially run into a very runaway IAT situation. Between 150 to 200 is where things go bad quickly. Um, and if we don't pull timing quick enough, then we could have an issue. And that's really to protect for like a total intercooler system failure, a pump that just went bad. So that's it. Yeah. Make sure that you like, share, and subscribe and tune in next week. We will see you next time. Bye, everybody.